there's a man going around taking names and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hair on your arms will stand up in the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup? Or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around. Welcome to Cold Pizza. I am your host, Pastor Jeff. Yes, I get to host again. I am in control yet again. Let's see if we can break the record for our longest podcast. Because <laughs> I think we broke it last week. Let's break it again. I am here with the ever delightful Pastor Russ. Good morning, guys. Records are meant to be broken. They are meant to be broken, shattered. We're going to do that. So Pastor Russ got to preach basically part two uh, <laughs> yeah. of your, of your uh, little, little sermon series there. Uh, and uh, I want to say it was an encouragement. Uh, it was a delight. And uh, I was very um, challenged and uh, ministered to, as was my family and other people I talked to. So you covered uh, kind of the rest of this warning passage um, that trickled into chapter four. Um, how'd you uh, how'd you feel about it? Um, <laughs> last week was, was a weird one. I was sick most of the week, as right. you know. Um, That's true. You were kind of coughing on the on even the on the podcast before, a little bit. Yeah. The, yeah. At one point in the sermon, you cough and you were like, "I'm gonna die." <laughs> I did. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just hanging there in my throat. So yeah, that's it, the worst. And then I was worn out just from you know helping our, one of our other pastors move. Man, listen. Also, preaching is hard. It is exhausting work. You'd be surprised. Yeah, it's so exhausting. It is the brain power, the mental energy, the spiritual attack. I mean, yeah, we're saying things that are. I mean, we're shooting arrows back, you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's a physical aspect to it of just this emotional outpouring. It's a, yeah. it's mentally exhausting as well. I don't know if, well, your brain is so regimented. My brain is like having conversations, you know, with myself as I'm preaching about other things. Oh, like, I know. Running I'm, off in other directions. <laughs> like, you could talk about this. And I'm but like, I'm always afraid I'm going to say that thing. Exactly. I'm like, oh, crap, they're going to know what I'm saying. And then you're looking out and you're seeing people doing stuff. Yeah. I think the most random thoughts when I'm preaching, you know. Well, I don't I mean, I've told most of our people this yet, but so this is some insight, at least for me. Um, most of the reason that my intros are so scripted yeah. is because I'm transitioning my brain from music. Uh, that's true. Like, particularly if I'm playing drums and I move to preach, I have to be so much more even than bass. Interesting. So my my intros are usually really scripted, not just to help set me in a decent trajectory, right? but to help my brain have some time to move over. So right. I'm using the prayer to do that. Right, right. All I, that. I haven't transitioned. I don't think I've transitioned from music to preaching here at CTL yet, but I did back at Victory often. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it, well, it was, but I was. it was nice because I could kind of get lost and uh, check out from, because before the sermon, I'm always thinking, oh, that would be good. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. And I'm wanting to add. that in still. That's why if, if anybody sees me before the I preach, you'll probably see it this Sunday. I take all my notes and everything up to the pulpit. I open my Bible. I have it all up there because if I, if I have my um, iPad with me, yeah, I'll be I'll be writing stuff Sneak down. Stuff in. We just sang a song. You're like, it's a good lyric, right? Yeah. I mean, if you saw me going up yesterday, usually I shoot from the hip, but every now and then, since my brain runs around on me, I have to write it down. And I was writing on my phone something to say for communion devotion, and I was writing it as I was walking up to the pulpit. I wasn't texting. <laughs> I was trying to make sure I wrote that because it was gonna be gone mm -hmm. if I didn't. So no, preaching is a funny thing. It's, it's weird. It's a joy. We're glad we get to do it. It is exhausting. You, you're familiar with the uh, the evangelist Billy Sunday? Oh yeah, yeah. Right. So, he, and he was like super charismatic. Mm -hmm. You know, back uh, he was he came out from a life of alcohol. So very staunch teetotaler. Preached against alcoholism and really wasn't he a baseball player too? He was a baseball player. A very very accomplished baseball player. And he kind of gave all that up um, when he became a believer and preached uh, the gospel. 
Uh, he actually preached a lot of revivals at Winona Lake, Indiana, which is not hmm. not far from here. And they have some of the stages and stuff that he preached on still there. But all to say, um, he was so animated when he preached that he had to have like this two-hour cool down, basically, where they put him <laughs> in an ice bath because he was so ramped up. Especially in those tents, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Funny story about Billy Sunday. This has nothing to do with podcasts, but it does has to do with preaching. Cold pizza and breadsticks. <laughs> yes, with breadsticks. Endless breadsticks. <laughs> yes, unlimited breadsticks. So he uh, he was in kind of this world of, you know, alcoholism and crime for a long time you know, um, kind of a rough world. And so then when he becomes a believer and comes out of that, he's preaching staunchly against these things. So he had some of these old friends who were not so happy that he was preaching against, sure. you know, alcohol or you know, this lifestyle. So often he would have people show up and heckle his, um, his revivals. <laughs> and in one particular time, he had a guy show up with a bullwhip uh, and was, yes, cracking this bullwhip, talking about how he was going to lash the preacher and Billy Sunday comes off the stage, uh, like jumps off the stage, the report says, and like um, tackles the guy and just beats the tar out of him and says, I'm going to beat the devil out of you. <laughs> and they had to That's pull where Bob him. Ross got it from. Exactly. There they had go. to pull him off um, and then later went and visited him um, in the hospital and preached the gospel to him um, of repentance and faith. Amen. <laughs> so... Yeah. It was a simpler time. Yeah, so if you think that stuff's <laughs> rough coming from the pulpit here, just know we haven't jumped off the pulpit yet. No, for and, real. And, and beat the tar out of it. There you go. <laughs> exactly. You see my ground game. Oh, man. Exactly. Russ moves pretty fast. Watch He's, out. You'd be surprised in small spaces. Yeah, those linemen can move fast. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird sermon. It's a weird text. It is um, a weird text. And, and I know you have already talked about how this week's going to be exciting as well. Yeah. It, it just, if it, it flows weird, it's a, it's, it's a different context, a different, yeah. different original audience. Now mm -hmm. that doesn't, that absolutely does not mean that it doesn't have anything for us. We talked about that last week with the first Corinthians 10, of course. but man, trying to wrap your head around how to not just understand it. That's each Christian's duty. Right. right? But that's also not simply the goal of the preacher. Right. Mm -hmm. For me, with this text as a teacher, like if we were just in my office and working through this, right, I would, I would probably go at this an entirely different route. Hmm. Um, but trying to make it understandable, which is the the preacher's job, uh, but then in such a way that it spurs you on to love and good works, yeah, is a different a, a different task. Yeah, if preaching. I think this is Matt's definition, which I think is a good one of preaching is commanding the soul. Yeah. And so it, it is hard sometimes to take these seemingly obscure texts, like, okay, and, and to do that. To, there's a difference in preaching and teaching. There's a difference yes. in commanding the soul, which I think is a very specific thing that we do. When we open the word of God when the saints are gathered and calling people to and, respond and I, to that. And I think with these texts, too, it's also, while it is different and challenging, it's also frustratingly simple. It is. It <laughs> Don't is. do stupid like last week, right? Right, <laughs> right. Don't do stupid. Do uh, less just, stupid things. There's a sense in which we overcomplicate it by trying to fully understand things, and I don't mean uh, that our faith requires ignorance, but we're also not God, right? And and admittedly, it is challenging as he's getting ready to say in chapter five we get, about these things. We have much to say, and they are difficult. Mm. But you've also, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. Become dull of hearing. Yeah, you're dull of hearing. So there's this, this dance of, it's frustratingly simple. And, and a lot of the older preachers that I've read, like Spurgeon particularly, is like just pleading with people yeah. on the same thing the whole time. It's just yeah. a plea for their souls to, to trust. Yeah. And it can be that simple. Yeah. But it can, there's also a lot packed in here for us to really wrap our heads around. Yeah, I agree. And with my prep for next week that's really it's interesting you said that about Spurgeon because that's the sense you get from the writer mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, kind of intricate things that he is saying as he reaches back to the Old Testament and so on but there's just a very simple plea um, to hey please grasp a hold of this yeah all right this is life and death 
Um, I was listening uh, to a sermon by Piper recently on on the passage that I'm going to preach next week, and he's he opens it up by saying these are some of the most uh, chapter four verses one to eleven are some of the most um, misunderstood and hard passages <laughs> verses to to talk about in all the Bible. It's like, gee, thanks a lot. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, and he says this later, it is just a simple plea to to walk in faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. and uh, to heed this warning. Yep. Also, I think uh, it's interesting if you, I think sometimes our uh, our congregation might miss some of this deeper language as he's kind of going back to the Old Testament. And you got to bear in mind that the writer of Hebrews is, is very, very versed in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and un- he understands it. He understands the way it flows. Um, he understands how it connects to each other, and so that's why he's able to reach back so easily. And he's writing to the Hebrews; they mm-hmm. they understand this, and so it's it's a little bit more difficult for us outside of that context, mm-hmm. which means we just have to do a little bit more study, be a little yeah. more vigilant. And so I would encourage people as as you go through this, if you don't have a good, just a basic good study Bible, just something like the ESV Study Bible, mm-hmm. invest in that, or talk to one of us. And just a really simple commentary. Yeah. You know, some of the commentaries that we're using would be, I think, really helpful. You don't have to know the Old Testament stuff to understand no. the, the message. Mm-mm. But the more you do, the sweeter you'll yeah. love it. Right. It kind of opens up a little bit mm-hmm. more. Sure. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, and kind of give you opportunity to kind of riff on a little bit here. Um, as you've said, every time you've preached, actually, in uh, the book of Hebrews so far, you've encouraged us not to miss the big picture of what's taking place. So the, yeah. the, the overarching message of Hebrews. And and we, as we dip down into these passages, especially passages like this that are like, man, it takes a lot of brain power mm-hmm. to kind of work through some of these things. Even though the, you're right, the message is very clear, but it opens up even grander when we understand what he's what he's really digging out here. Um, we can miss the grander overarching um, theme of Hebrews. So you said um, on Sunday you were saying you wanted us to kind of see the flow mm-hmm. of three to four um, from how we consider Jesus and as we walk into these warnings. So so kind of just walk us through that a little bit. Help us understand just in what you said on Sunday, the flow from three to four, how we could be in danger of missing the overarching uh, theme of what the author is trying to get across with the whole letter, mm-hmm. um, and and what is kind of a little case study in that as we look from three to four. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, that is really dear to me, probably for for two reasons: one personal, and one I think a little bit more universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the personal one, it's how I think of the scriptures. It's how I interface with them. Um, I don't usually don't have specific verse numbers memorized, but I do have chapters. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying I have whole chapters memorized. I know what the chapters are talking about. Mm-hmm. So when I need something or when I'm challenged with something, when someone has a question, I essentially have an index of, well, I know that First Corinthians 10 talks about this. Or I know sure. First Corinthians 5 and 6 deal with these kinds of struggles and challenges, that type of thing. Um, so I think it would be necessary, <laughs> if, if I could exhort you into it, to know the general theme first church of every book of the Bible start with the new Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, but know what Jude is talking about Mm -hmm. just in general. You you, you should know that know what second John is tackling. It's good. Um, whether you know specific verses from it or not, that's, that's, that's later Mm -hmm. this year. Start with just that. Yeah. Uh, then you can start breaking. And a lot of the reason I have some of these books is because we preached through them. You know, I even got the reference the fact that we dealt with Hebrews 11 years ago, Hmm. you know, um, and I'm reaching back to that now. Um, it's something that I can tap into and now it took 11 years for that particularly to pay off. But that's the, that's the point of growing in our understanding of the Bible. Uh, so, at the end of Hebrews, you should know what each what each chapter was talking about. Yeah, if, if we can connect those together. But the second reason is because I don't think that you can understand chapter three and four if you can't tie the whole picture together. Otherwise, okay. they're just independent commands, and you're missing the motivation. You're missing the power for them. Uh, you won't be able to put those things together. If I simply launch into chapter four saying that you have good cause for fear, 
Right. <laughs> then <laughs> what am I, what's my context for that? Sure. Who's going to help me? Mm-hmm. How do I actually solve that problem? Mm-hmm. But the solution's already been presented once. Mm-hmm. And now he's just building on it. So if we can't tie these together, then we're not being good students of Scripture. True. And so if we drop into your sermon yesterday, or even if people will drop into my sermon next week, and if we're not doing a good job of tying these together, and, and if people aren't doing a good job of um, looking at the entirety of Scripture, mm-hmm. the entirety of the letter, the context of it, you could come into your sermon last week, just drop in from there and say, huh, well, Pastor Russ... Um, you explain this, so I don't think folks would be led this way, but if you weren't listening well and didn't understand your Bible, you could leave by saying, well, Pastor Russ says we should be fearful Christians. But mm-hmm. then I, I thought I heard somewhere that Pastor Jeff said a while ago that we should be fearless. Yeah, I don't understand what I missed because yeah. there's a lot of things that happen in between uh, those two sermons. I think that's why um, we want to encourage to con- continue to encourage you guys to read as much as possible the whole book. Mm-hmm. When we're preaching through books of the Bible, read the whole book, right? And that seems like a big task for some people, but we have plenty of time <laughs> to sit down and watch a Netflix show or do whatever. Yep. So just take some time uh, where you can have some uninterrupted time and just read from the beginning to the end. Because remember, especially when we're dealing with these type of books, these are letters, and you want to read them. It, if not in its entirety from beginning to end, at least read chapters. Yeah. Um, so you can sure. get the context. Yeah. And, and it's a bit of a challenge for us too, as a team preaching, because sure. we have to be mindful of each other. Right. Try to, I, I don't want to load you down with a bunch of pictures you have to carry with you for the next three sermons. Um, <laughs> but I do want to try to set you up to be able to keep a consistent theme going as yeah. a team. Mm-hmm. So all that to say for, for where we are in Hebrews, um, I didn't mention this one, but since we're doing extra work today, yeah. uh, it starts back in chapter two. I mean, technically. So in chapter one, Jesus is superior, right? Mm-hmm. That's the full premise. But then we start to have some action. Uh, chapter two, verse one, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Yeah. Does that sound remotely familiar to anything that we've covered in the last three, four weeks? Yeah, but we covered chapter two a long time ago. Right. Right. So this is this is kind of the, the kickoff from it. We have to pay close attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away. So we start to have this concern for separation already. Um, and then uh, see if this sounds familiar to you. Chapter 2, verse 2. Since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Mm. We just heard yesterday that we received the same message that the people in exodus received right that's the same thing he's talking about right here sure so he's just he's riffing on the same that's why when i talk about being like frustratingly simple sometimes he's already said it we've already explained it once right in a sense i feel like i'm preaching some of your sermons and Mm -hmm. and matt's and I, i know the other way around so see these echoes because he's setting up an argument and giving multiple proofs that's why he's starting with the angels, then he moves to Moses, then he moves to Joshua and David. Mm-hmm. And he's showing how, uh, chapter one, Jesus is superior to all these things. Mm-hmm. So when we think about these and, and building on it, I want you to just see those connections from chapter two. Pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Um, then you go to chapter three, there's more in chapter two, but in chapter three, we have what I was speaking to yesterday. Therefore, holy brothers, he's speaking to the sheep right mm-hmm. you who share in a heavenly calling consider jesus now that's what he was said in chapter one jesus is superior look at this person sure consider jesus right uh we saw in chapter two as i mentioned yesterday though but we see jesus right he's holding him up this whole time we have to recognize how uh these things blend together so then for us in chapter four just in verses one through five which there's so much more to come we have here another therefore, this promise is entering his rest, whose rest? God's rest, but specifically Jesus' rest, mm-hmm. <laughs> considered Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we just really have to be careful that we don't set these up as independent exhortations. And with our generally, I'm, I'm, I'm the least good <laughs> at application and sermons when I, when I preach mm. um, compared to you and Matt, but 
we have to be careful that we don't just isolate these into great applications, great takeaways each week. True. And, and miss that the whole thing is about considering Jesus because the rest that we're supposed to be pursuing this week is the one that's as good as done in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. Hmm. So It's good. So uh, before we go any further, I'm going to give some practical application just to the understanding how these things flow together. One thing that people are going to have to do is engage their brains a little bit. A little right? bit. Uh, this is why I've been uh, in, engage their brains and engage their heart. This is why I've been saying often in this sermon series, especially, you have to practice redemptive listening. You have to be sitting, not just listening, but seeking to understand. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do my best to present the passage as it should be presented, but there's a, a part that you have to play. You have to seek to understand. And not just seek to understand that, okay, I got it, but then now, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. How do I now go take this and walk in, in faith and repentance? And in the in the process of the word of God going forth, the Holy Spirit's going to take that and he's going to press it into those places that need it, right? So those dark places are where he's going to shine the light. Um, my practice, when I'm listening to, when I'm reading the word of God, when I'm listening to a sermon, when, when I'm feeling convicted, I usually get, uh, pretty angry. <laughs> uh, that's my wife's experience as well. Bryn says she knows the Holy Spirit is pressing something on her when she feels angry. So when we when we feel angry, we want to direct um, that frustration and anger towards the preacher, especially how dare he say, well, listen, if a preacher is doing his job <laughs> to rightly divide the word of truth and to preach to you the whole counsel of God, then your problem is not with the preacher. Your problem is with who, Right. There's with some, the author of the book. There's some other examples in Exodus you can read about getting upset with the guy who just said it. This is true, right. <laughs> that's, that's, not the best, uh, that's not the best policy. They ended up with leprosy. They I'm did. Just saying. Yeah, I don't want that. So there's, some, there's, some, there's many more. Also, though, as we're walking through this, this is, I'm sitting here thinking of the importance of not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And we could talk forever about that on a series of podcasts but one reason is when we're walking through a book like this that is packed full of so many beautiful truths yeah and and you're forsaking the assembling of yourselves together even once yeah now of course there's things that we got to do i get it and you can listen later but it's not the same thing it's not it's not um god this is why god calls us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together mm-hmm. and to walk in that continued faithfulness and so you're going to miss something that is vital, and you're going to drop in and say, oh, I don't really understand how this fits together. So there's a, a perfect piece. Also, in the conversations after the service where we're exhorting one another, which we, I think, need to do a better job at, you know, of saying, hey, actually, how are you taking this, what you just heard, and driving it forward in faith and repentance? Of course, we do that in home groups, which is another <laughs> thing that we need to be doing, right? I do have to say, there, people come up to me the past two weeks, and they have put into practice what I had said sometime last year Mm. when people come up to me and they say, it was a great sermon preacher. My response is awesome. What was helpful about it? Right. And so I've had less people come up to me since then, but yeah, the people that have come up to me usually just launch straight into that. So thank you. I yeah. want to thank you all who do that. Yeah. My, uh, whenever anybody says I was a great message preacher without any actually like, I, this is what I'm going to go try now. I'm yeah. like, my response usually is, well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if it was a good sermon or not. Yep. Because uh, you have yet to actually been tested in that mm-hmm. to walk in faith and repentance. A battle tested, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And again, as I said, just really, really simple things that you guys can be doing as we walk through this is get yourself a good study Bible if you don't have one, where mm-hmm. um, you can walk through that, listen to the podcast, ask questions, get a good commentary. Those kinds of things would be really helpful to you. Yeah, because for me, one of the practical pieces of that first point of recognizing that this is grace and that it's still available is that these kinds of things in these passages are not the Pauline specifics to individual relationships that we're used to. Yeah. Right. These are broad Christian truths that speak primarily to your justification and then the entire process of your sanctification. Yes. So how do we then take these big theological truths and bring them down to those specifics? Mm-hmm. You've got to do a lot of the work for that. I mean, I want to be able to help with those applications, and we can tease them out one-on-one. Mm-hmm. But 
the, the, the challenge is recognizing that this gift of grace is obviously much more than the cross. We didn't talk about the cross a whole lot yesterday. Yeah. It was implied in some spots, but we need to recognize that grace was still all over those things, particularly in the fact that there's this opportunity still stands, this promise still stands. Mm-hmm. Because what I mean in taking this broad thing is then how do you make light of these divine opportunities? He's saying the opportunity is mm-hmm. there today, as long as it's called today. Mm-hmm. Do the thing, right? Yeah. And so, all right, well, that's not just when I wake up. It's not just when I'm driving. It's, it's in every relationship that we have. We have an opportunity for grace mm. in each one of those interactions. So the fact that I have a God who could have been provoked with me and my sin for 40 years, the promise still stands, and I can enter into it today. Well, then when someone provokes me in a relationship, whether it's a spouse or a kid or a coworker or another pastor, no names, uh, whoever provokes me, how do I respond? Well, I should yeah. respond the way that God responded to me. Hmm. This is an opportunity for grace everywhere here off of this simple picture of the fact that the promise still stands. Yeah. Uh, same thing with your personal self-talk. When you're wrestling with your own desires, you recognize, hmm, the deceitfulness of sin is after me. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to come from anyone else. This is just me wrestling with my head with how I think about a person, how I think about a situation, how I think about God. Right, And what truth do I see here that tells me what to believe rightly? If it's all about belief and unbelief, mm-hmm. that happens all the time. Yeah, It's not just when your DNA leader comes to you. It's not just when someone does exhort you. Mm. It's you interfacing with the scriptures yourself and saying, you know what, here's an opportunity for grace right now, today, in my head. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we have a, a danger of not seeing these warnings as a gift of grace. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think there's a there's also a temptation when we listen to these when we read these passages when we listen to sermons on these passages if they're being preached um, <laughs> rightly That's a and thing. read rightly we don't feel so air quotes encouraged mm-hmm. right and I, that is a gift of grace yeah I think sometimes we fail to see how that is a gift of grace and there's many things that factor into that many times. We could go back and talk about, you know, how people listen to sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and we'll talk about the doll of hearing, you know, coming up. But, <laughs> but often people want to have a, a nice feeling mm-hmm. about Jesus uh, and whatever feeling that they've been kind of cultivating through the years and listening to sermons and then their church experience. They kind of have all these little, what I would call like um, functional saviors yeah. that are built up around them, their little experiences and that little experience kind of culminates in this good feeling about Jesus. And that's kind of how I know yeah, that I'm a Christian, 100%. right? And so they sing the song that I like, mm-hmm. and there's that one part where I really like that song and it kind of gets me choked up. And that's how I know that I know, or I, I felt encouraged because, you know, we just talked about how Jesus is taking away all my sins, but don't talk to me about this responsibility I have. Don't talk to me about this thing that I should be fearful of. I should be fearful of falling away. And we'll talk about that this coming week. That's a good thing. Yeah, That's a good thing. But often, and especially because of the, the Church of America's softness in this area, mm-hmm. we do not see these warnings as gifts of grace. We see them as unloving, unhelpful, and any preacher that would preach them is is not caring well for us but see them as gifts of grace and and Russ you just gave us a perfect example of how we should see that as a gift of grace because the invitation still stands right it is still open it's that like I said the uh, the Johnny Cash song I was yeah. thinking about when the man comes around he's talking about the day when when the man comes around um on that day everyone won't be treated all the same all right but now the invitation is still open there still mm-hmm. is this this invitation of grace there's a line in that song um it says will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground it's it's available for you partake in this cup yep so There's, you have the picture then of jesus with the uh, lazarus not the one that he raised from the dead but the mm-hmm. the other one right who went to hell and yeah. wanted, wanted his servant to yes <laughs> it's yeah. too late brother yeah it is too late. The yeah. promise is no longer stands. Yeah. Yeah, so, too late. When we presume upon grace, we find ourselves then never taking grace. Hmm. 
It's good. And the example there that's given is because he says he looks at the rich man, looks up, and he says, "I'm in torment here," which is interesting because um, he he doesn't he asks uh, for things to serve himself. He yep. asks that his servant would come and put a uh, uh, some water on his parched tongue. Yeah, his thought is still for himself, mm-hmm. which is what hell is. Yep, it is the complete realization of that, though, which that's, is that's what I was saying yesterday. They get what they want. Yep, you get what you want. Uh, that's is that C.S. Lewis, right? The the door of hell is locked from the inside. Oh, yeah. or, or nobody ever goes to hell that doesn't want to. Yep. Right. And so we, uh, and, and he says, he says, well, at least send, you know, send him back so that he can warn my family. Uh-huh. And what does he say? Right. They're not going to believe in if, even if one returns from the dead. Right. So it's interesting, these interesting kind of uh, parallels between that and what you were talking about in that the, the Israelites saw this. Yeah. They saw, but there's a difference. I'm just going to start preaching my sermon <laughs> next Sunday. There's a difference in belief and and then that belief in action or trust. Yeah. Right? So everybody's standing on this side of the promised land, and you got these spies who are worthless saying, we can't go in there because there's a bunch of tall people in there. <laughs> After they have just seen God take to its knees probably the greatest empire known to man at that time. I, absolutely. Take them to their knees. He sees not just that, but they see him destroy them in the Red Sea after the thing opens up for them. They're fed food, you know, the pillar of cloud, all these things that they actually see. So they believe. Oh, yeah. They believe. There's just no trust there. Mm-hmm. There's only two, Joshua and Caleb. The Those are the ones is, who trust. The question is, why isn't it sufficient? Exactly. Why is it sufficient? Chapter 4 completely changes if you take out verse 2. It completely changes. Yeah, right? Right. So just to read it for you in case you're driving, like I saw, I listen to podcasts. Verse one, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Verse three, for we who have believed enter that rest. Mm. Right. Well, yeah. what about those who didn't? Mm. They didn't get the message. They didn't get the picture. They didn't get the opportunity. Mm. Uh, no, verse two, good yeah. news came to us just as to them. Yep. But the message that they heard did not benefit them. Like that that mm-hmm. is shocking if we're saying the good news is the gospel, which he is. Like yeah. that's what it means. Yeah. And it's, don't, it's shocking to hear someone say that the gospel they heard did not benefit them. Right. And and don't make the mistake if you're thinking, well, like that's old testament, right? Law, so law bad, New Testament grace, grace good. No, it's the same thing. That's why I ran to chapter eleven. Exactly. There's the there's a there's a thread from the very beginning of the Bible to the end mm-hmm. of this same story, and the gospel is all over yes. the Old Testament. If you yep. if you don't see it, you're not you don't know how to read your Bible. No, and that's the danger, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't hear it. Why didn't they hear it? Because it's so helpful when they say because. <laughs> yes, because. Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Yeah. That's what changes everything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the sufficiency of the message. Mm. wasn't the efficacy of it. Mm. Yeah. So a gift of grace in these warnings, and we should embrace them. You've, you've said um, often, well, let me, before I do that, I, I don't think I've got to ask this question on the podcast yet. And I'm not sure if you've asked this to anybody yet. So before I go any further, I want to ask you this question because I, I had it in my head and I didn't write it down. So I grabbed it, though. And I'm going to ask you. <laughs> um, and it's not going to be like, Greg's questions Greg about if you can Thank if you. you can hug you could hug somebody right now. None of those questions. <laughs> All those are fun questions. But Rusty has to think for like ten minutes on who he would hug because he did. doesn't like hugging. It was a little too much contact. <laughs> Even thinking about it made him uncomfortable. <laughs> no. So is there any other way that you could have preached this text um or wanted to preach this text? I wanted to preach the whole chapter. Okay, that's true. <laughs> right, I was thinking that yesterday. I was like, just I wanted to say, you said I don't want to take Jeff's sermon. I was like, just go for it, man. Yeah. Just preach it. <laughs> um, yeah, th- there was. Uh, th- there definitely was. I wanted to preach the whole chapter um, because a lot of what he's getting ready to do is continue the picture of how um, Jesus is now superior than Joshua which mm. should, to CTL people, be really surprising because we went through Joshua and they won. Yeah. Um, now we see the failure, like, and I think I mentioned this either last week or in one of my previous sermons, um, but we see the failure then in Judges of how that generation then 
fell right after. Right. Um, but the idea of Jesus being better than Joshua and superior to Joshua should be shocking because Joshua is one of the biggest Chad Kings of the of the Old Testament. Yeah, right? there's um, really nothing bad said about him. Arguably, you, you would think even more so than David uh, mm-hmm. for, for many reasons. And yeah. so that is really a shocking thing. Well, they um, did name Jesus after him. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? There's that. Uh, <laughs> so... I really wanted to kind of to, to land on that because we have so much history already um, mm-hmm. with having done Joshua together. Um, but I wanted to spend more time on Sabbath, uh, mm-hmm. but I think that is a little bit more into yours, your text because the way that he uses it in my text is specifically for that, like, hey, guys, they didn't do this even though it's already done. Like sure. his sure. appeal in verse 5 uh, is – or verse 4, rather – is saying is the is the left turn saying they should have done it because of creation mm. which is stunning it's the beginning it's like saying at the beginning of a board game i'm going to win because the game <laughs> <laughs> right you know like okay whatever and but that's that's what it is is god rests and he says it's done mm. and and inside those promises of him making a people for of his own is the reason he's saying that they should have known better. Hmm. So I would have liked to spend a lot of time there. I wanted to take the opportunity to uh, to riff on fear uh, because of inside of these warnings, it keeps coming up, and we haven't really treated it as a topic to itself. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to hit that while we had the opportunity since you kind of can pick up a lot of the other balls and run with that. Sure. Well, I'll do my best. That's, that's fun. That's helpful. I haven't got to ask that. I don't <laughs> think you've asked anybody. No, it's in our kind of overall cold pizza script, yeah. but we haven't really touched on it. Because there, are, I mean, there's some passages that just you have to preach this a certain way. There's no other yeah. way to preach this. But then sometimes there's there's different ways you can go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you take a more pastoral stance or, or whatever. And so that's kind of fun to see what else you could play with, and that's encouraging to hear. That's cool, man. I'll do my best next week. <laughs> Hopefully, I won't <laughs> disappoint. Now I got the pressure. Ah. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about this idea of assurance independent of works. Um, you know, you talked about last two weeks ago. You know, here's how we know you've, and you talked more about that yesterday. You've also encouraged folks to go and read First John. Um, in addition to that, I would encourage people to go read James. You know, what's good to do is go read Galatians and then read James right after. Yeah. Right or vice versa, you yeah. know, or go read Galatians and then go read First John. Mm-hmm. All right, so so unpack that just a little bit, because what we're, we are saying, and we're going to say more of this this Sunday. There's a, an assurance that we have. We have, and and you know, if you don't know the, we have, we've been singing this. My anchor holds within the veil. Yeah, right. That comes right out of Hebrews. We have this sure and steady anchor, mm-hmm. and that's Christ. So we can know. And you said that yesterday in your sermon, like, like we know. I, I do. And, and we spent a lot of time on this, on the last episode of Cold Pizza, talking about here's some assurances. But I, sometimes I think that what folks struggle with is they say, okay, there's this I know, but and, and there's this resting, but then now the author of Hebrews, and I see Paul saying this other places, and I read James and I read John, and they're saying, strive, work. James is literally saying, "Yeah, you say you have faith. Show me some works. Like, proofs it. in the proofs in the pudding, man. Like, show it to me." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so riff on that just a little bit. Um, assurance independent of works. Yeah. So, where I want to start is at the end because I've meant okay. to put this into, um, into our home group questions last week, and then looking ahead this week. Let me start with the end here. We've been looking at it from our perspective. Let me take a minute to ask you, what does a Christian life look like to an unbeliever Mm. if they're not assured? If we have a bunch of Christians walking out of our doors on Sundays and they're not assured of their salvation, what good is that witness to the gospel in the Mm. world? It's good, yeah. I I just think we have to remember that part. (laughs) Yeah. Because... The the challenge of Hebrews, again, is that these warnings are non-warnings for the Christian, mm-hmm. for the one who's a sheep. Uh, 
because they will remain what they are. The danger is the journey. <laughs> the journey. Sure. You cannot fall away if you are his. He is you're in his hand. Nothing will take you away. All that stuff we've talked about. So then what should be appealing then to the unbeliever is when you go to them and say, you who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what is your answer to him for your sin? Mm. And they say, well, I don't know. And you, they say, all right, well, what is, what is yours, Christian? And you say, well, I think it's the blood of Jesus, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I accepted this I when think I was I accepted seven it. years old. I think I can't mess it up. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not the testimony of the scriptures. Isn't there a kids book about that? I think I can. I think I can. The engine, the little engine that could, or whatever. Yes, the the, the little Pelagian that could. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's not the testimony of the scriptures yeah. when it comes to the sacrifice of Christ, mm-hmm. and particularly when it comes to our evangelism. So, sure. So, if there's a disconnect between you know where you are and that end, that's it's with you. Mm. Um, it's not with the sacrifice. It's not with the blood. It's yeah. not with the mercy seat. It's none of that. First mm. uh, Corinthians 15, the resurrection tells us that it's good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good. Yeah, got it satisfied. <clears throat> so then, all right, why do I struggle with my assurance? Because I'm probably a little semi-Pelagian. I think mm. I can still make myself clean because I thought I was clean in the first place. Mm. But I'm not. That was one of the challenges. That's one of the reasons we haven't been to kids' camp in a long time is because <laughs> last time we went there, they put a picture of uh, a smile up on the screen and said, this is you when you came into this world. And then it was a dirty smile and said, this is sin. And so what is the goal then in that picture? Mm-hmm. To return you back to the perfect, the perfection that you had beforehand. Yeah. So it's just a complete dismissal of original sin. Yeah. Complete dismissal of the fact that you wanted to drink every Coke that you drank, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the question of assurance then for us is what was the original problem that was fixed? If I'm talking about the solution that I have, that is the blood of Jesus. Well, what did the blood do? Yeah. And if the blood is sufficient, then why wasn't I before that? Mm. So all that to say this point that I, I put in our line for this is uh, this independent component so the point was what I, I read yesterday and that the purpose of God according to election must stand, right? And all his chosen will assuredly be saved. Mm. Uh, but the problem is, is as we've heard and conversations we've had, we cannot know your election, right? All right. But so he says they cannot enjoy any absolute assurance of their salvation independent of their continuation in the faith, love, and obedience of the gospel. And I said, don't zero in on they cannot enjoy any absolute assurance. Mm. That's what everybody wants. They want absolute assurance. They want to know they're a sheep. They want to know that they're saved. They want mm-hmm. all this stuff. Yeah. While dismissing all of the sanctification that's been going on in right. your life, right? while dismissing the change of heart and desires that you have, while dismissing 13 years of where you are now from your walk with Christ yeah. and where you would have been independent of mm-hmm. him, what we should zero in on is that phrase, independent. You can have absolute assurance of your salvation in the continuance of faith, love, and obedience. Yes. But if it's independent of that, then you have no grounds for that. And that, again, is nothing new. It's just straight up James. Hmm. Faith without works is dead. You right. remain dead in your trespasses. Right. <laughs> right. That's so good. that's a frustratingly simple thing, you know? Hmm. Uh, but it's what's our gaze on. And I, I think that that's, that has to be then where the cross comes back in. What mm. is our gaze on? Is it on the mercy seat or not? Because mm. if it's anything else, then yeah, we're going to strive for all the wrong reasons with no power and not get anywhere. Right. But Stay if it's right. on the mercy seat, then our strivings are simply taking the promise. Yeah. Walking into the land. If we in our own strength could fight, our strivings would be losing. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not yes. the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Mm-hmm. Like Luther got it. Well, I wanted to bring that up yesterday, and it's like all they had to do is cross the river and join the man with the flaming sword. <laughs> I've true. seen Star Wars. It's, it's true. Oh, and it's interesting how we give them such crap. Um, like, man, I wish I could have seen all that stuff, right? And yet, still unbelief. By the way, um, super proud of you for quoting a hymn at the. Uh, I wanted to get up and like. Yeehaw. Bro, I actually practiced singing that, and I bailed at the end because I can't sing. Oh, you should have done it, man. I would have jumped up and joined you. This is why I play so many instruments. I was singing it under my sing. breath with you. Oh, such, a, <laughs> such, a, such a good song. No, that was pretty awesome, dude. There's this, 
again, I want to kind of pull back to our, or reach back rather to our last episode when I mentioned the uh, idea of where is your hand? Yeah. Is it, is it on the lamb now? Mm-hmm. And so often we look to these assurances looking backwards. And again, if you if you know where you were and what took place and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't have any questions about that. That's fine. But that's look, not what he says in heaven. But that's not what he says in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And look, so Paul says to the Philippians, who's a pretty good church, right? In comparison, you know, air quotes, pretty good church in comparison to like Corinth. All right. They're not dealing with really any massive things like that. Um, but what his concern for them is, is that they would, they would look at their life looking backwards and take too much confidence in that. So mm-hmm. that's why he says, so I forget what lies behind mm-hmm. and I strain forward to what lies ahead. So he's saying two things. And when, when he's saying, I forget what lies behind, he's saying the sin is on the tree. It's covered. The wrath is on the tree. It's covered. So I'm not going to live in light of that. I'm going to walk in newness of life. Also, I'm not going to rely on past victories. Mm-hmm. Right? I can look back and have assurance of, like you said, 13 years of sanctification. Praise God. Yeah. But now, in this moment, mm-hmm. I can't continue to look back and say, well, I did this or I overcame that. I overcame porn at this time. Sure. Or I started getting serious about leading my family at that time. Mm-hmm. Or I really started um, sharing the gospel boldly in my workplace at this time. Whatever it is. Those are great. Praise God for that. But you cannot have your confidence in past victories. I've heard many testimonies of people who just want to riff on all these things that they did in the past. And you want to say, yeah. but, but now what? Mm-hmm. Right? It's the Israelites. And many times it could be like the Israelites saying, uh, manna, all, you know, quail, Red Sea, all these things. But yeah. they weren't willing to put their foot in the water. Yeah, it was really interesting for me in the study of the election is that when you look at the Old Testament specifically, there's the call to the specific people. And so what phrase you continually see over and over and over again? I am the God of your yeah. father, Abraham, yeah. Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob, Jacob, right? Yeah. That is the, hey, you're set apart. Yep. I got you mm-hmm. thing that then he's appealing to. The work's done, right? Yeah. But then you see how it goes wrong in the New Testament with the Pharisees and saying, mm-hmm. well, we're the, we're the seed of Abraham. Right. And why are you? Why do you think that you're the seed of Abraham? Mm. And he says, "No, you're not. Actually, yeah, you're the seed of the devil." So, <laughs> right. it's just goes. Yeah, you're talking about gentle and lowly. Uh, there's just going zero to ten right there, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but you see how that that claim because because he uses Paul uses that same picture though in his defense of election in Romans nine, mm. right? Uh, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated, right? Yep. And so it should still even be true in there. The election is meant throughout the Bible to be a picture of of great hope and grace and encouragement to the believers because it it is sealed, right? Right. And it's not of anything that you have done. That's supposed to be the greatest encouragement ever. Mm -hmm. And we have somehow taken that thing and said, well, I'm the seed of Abraham, so (laughs) ta-da. That's not the point. And in fact, if that's what you think, then you're the seed of the the devil. Mm-hmm. The one who who rests in Jesus as being our true new father, our mm. true new Adam, is now the one of that seed. That's why we keep harping on this in Hebrews of being in Christ, in yes. Jesus, mm. in the house. Mm. We have our share with him, our inheritance with him. We're brothers with him. Mm-hmm. That language is the New Testament picture of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, And if that doesn't give you assurance. Th- th- then hope, you're looking for something else. You're looking for something else. Yeah. yeah. And we, we do, though, like to prop up. All these different things to help us these these functional saviors to help prop up our assurance and they're just going to continue to lead to to confusion and lead to death and discouragement well, if they're done in a re, in a way to justify yourself then they don't do that exactly as like we said last week it's a happy coincidence well it's and it's often interesting though i see you know we matt talked about the idea of theological maximalism and gave us the picture of the house and the estate, right? And so on and so forth. It's interesting though, how folks so often, and you can apply this to when they finally did go to cross over into the promised land, cross the Jordan in Joshua. Mm -hmm. And there were those tribes who were content to stay on the other side. Mm -hmm. How often we are willing to settle for a cheap, little plot of real estate this little cheap plot of land yep 
when when the beauty and the glory and the vastness of God and his goodness is is open to us. That's the whole so point the, of what the author is saying. It is it is open to you. At the here. beginning of Joshua you have those who are content for the lesser portion on the other side. Mm. At the end of Joshua you have Caleb who's still a, a boss. It's yeah. like, no, I want the choice thing. We're gonna yeah. go get the hard stuff. Give me the best. Yeah. 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 And it's not it's not easy. It's no. not. Yeah. Maybe since his his son in law, right? Her yeah. son. <laughs> Oh, right. Dad, or whoever. Yeah, and it's interesting as we think about the Old Testament promise, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I have chosen you, all these things. But there's also this call that those who are mine will walk according to my statutes. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if. Mm-hmm. And the same thing stands today. Right. Mm-hmm. This is what the author of Hebrews has in his mind. Those who are his will follow him. Those who are sheep will follow, will know the good shepherd's voice, and they will follow him. Yeah. So there's that striving, and that's what Paul is saying. is like, don't live in light of the past. Don't live your life in a rearview mirror mm-hmm. to the Philippian church. But I press forward to make it my own. Yeah. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the reason I have the desire to do this in the first place. Yep. Because dead people just stay dead. Yes. Right? They're just corpses. Yep. Goats stay goats. Yeah, goats stay goats. Exactly. And so, and so there's the striving that we... Um, that we engage in, not for our justification, but because of our justification. I think that's why goats scream a lot. <laughs> uh, I was getting ready to do a big goat bleeding sound, but <laughs> Russ is wearing here. Ah! There we go. <laughs> no, just, they shriek. That's true, they do. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. I saw that. I saw that, and there a YouTube video where there's a goat that screams, and people like, it's they like, with like Taylor Swift. Spl- yes, <laughs> which I'd rather listen to the goat than listen to Taylor Swift scream. <laughs> and if you're offended, you should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, let's uh, let's uh, wrap it up with this. So, you you touched on this idea of uh, of the depth of total depravity, and you gave a quote. Um, uh, of a lecture that you heard a long time ago. Read that quote to us as we end out here. Yeah, so this is from uh, Dr. Tom Schreiner, the second smartest person I've ever heard. I'm the first smartest person. Absolutely. Unmitigated failure in the face of eternal promise serves to grandly display the depth of human depravity. Yeah. So there you are staring at the glory. Already, Already experienced amazing things sang the song that we led off with yesterday yeah yep exactly and the only conclusion when faced with such glory and eternal promise is human depravity is ah exactly <laughs> exactly so what is so what is your call to those in the face of that who say man yeah I think an important component for us to recognize is that the scriptures give one call from the yes. beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's John, uh, John the Baptist's call, right? Repent and believe. And that's the same call to everybody. Everybody. It's the same call to Egypt. Yep. It's the same call to Pharaoh. Yes. It's the same call to, to the sheep. It's the same call to the goats. So I, I think it's important for us to recognize that whole they sufficiently heard the gospel. Mm. The gospel is repent and believe. Yeah. And so that's for sheep and goats. That's for the one who's on the narrow road. That's for the one who's on the broad road. Mm. The, the one who's on the narrow road needs to re- continue to repent and believe. Yeah. The one who was on the narrow road and seems to be going to the broad road needs to repent and believe. Mm-hmm. The one who's on the broad road needs to repent and believe. Yeah. There's no other call. Yeah. There's no other way. Yeah. And in the variety of stories that we've heard and gospel stories and testimonies you know, through the years of being pastors, we've heard a myriad of different kinds of ways that people have come to faith. Yeah. Right? That's my favorite part about people who freak out about their baptism video. I'm like, right. look, I'm super excited that you're getting dunked and that you're a believer, but I've heard this story before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Whether you were the Hell's Angel motorcycle gang guy that, you <laughs> yeah. know, that got saved and whether you were the Billy Sunday guy. Yeah. Or whether you're like me, who was a pastor's kid and kind of has a, you know, boringish testimony. Uh-huh. Did you repent? 
I did. Did you believe? I did. Well, let's thank you. Yeah, praise God. And the angels rejoice over that, uh-huh. and they rejoiced over the Billy Sunday, and they rejoiced over the Hell's Angel guy. Yes, sir. All those. And so I think too often, though, we forget that very simple message. It's repent and believe. And I think we can make a mistake in our interactions in evangelism with goats to think that we have to somehow make the message of the gospel super specific and extremely relevant to them particularly. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to uh, understand how they think and how God has put them together, but don't make the mistake if you have somebody who's more intellectually prone to think I have to, I have to help them intellectually ascend to God. Or if somebody is not as intellectually prone to think that well, I have to come up with these really good other analogies. That, you don't have to be persuasive. No. The, the man the, drowning in the ocean doesn't need the tastiest burger. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no, you're not going to persuade him with anything else. No. He, he needs to grab the raft. Exactly. Is it? Yeah. Repent and believe. There was a, a testimony of a lady that I knew who uh, was an atheist for a long time um her husband tragically died kind of a story of they both had kind of just on top of the world they were at the peak of their careers um her husband actually was in peak physical condition and kind of this fluke accident he died of a heart attack and it was quite tragic and she really struggled with a lot of bitterness and anger and went on this journey and all of her seeking was was more prone towards an intellectual bent um, and I remember having conversations with her and she was really trying to wrap her brain around God in an intellectual way. Cause she's a very, very smart person. Mm-hmm. And really what got her in the end was she was at a church that uh, was a really simple message. Uh, the pastor was preaching about, uh, Jesus calling Peter to get out of the boat. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was interesting cause it, she doesn't remember anything else in her testimony she doesn't remember anything else about the sermon. She just remembers the preacher saying that Jesus said, Peter, get out of the boat. And in that moment, she said, um, she repented and believed. Because mm-hmm. what she realizes was she was trying to, she was saying, I'm not going to believe this unless I can understand it fully and grasp mm-hmm. it fully. Instead of saying, I'm going to believe this mm-hmm. because God says I should. Yes. Right? And that's, that's what yes. brought her to faith and repentance. And so the simplest thing, mm-hmm. right? You got the, um, you got Paul, who is the Pharisee of Pharisees, guy who could run circles around us, and all of these things, and yet he has to get thrown on his butt mm-hmm. on the Damascus Road and blinded yep. in order to well, be called to faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. And so, reach out. There's another Johnny Cash. Reach out and touch faith. <laughs> reach out and grab it. Right? Yeah. And it, man, it, it does sound simple because it is. Because mm-hmm. it is. Right? It, it absolutely is. I mean, that was one of the things some of the other uh, preachers and commentators were talking about last week is how much patience and extra grace that he gave the wilderness generation. Mm. Like, he didn't, he didn't expect them to keep the whole law even. Like, he gave them. That's true a lot of room on divorce. He gave them a lot Mm, of room on the sacrifices. He gave them food, um, all of these things. And they just kept taking it for granted. Mm. Mm. It reminds me of, uh, yeah, it's true. And it reminds me of speaking of not overcomplicating things. makes me think of Jesus and his interaction with the children. Unless you become like one of these, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how that, you know, we preach the, is, uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit next week, the, the warnings that we give in Scripture, I think the kids in our midst understand that a little bit better <laughs> because they have, you know, why? Because they have loving parents, well, they see it in grace is what I mean, yeah. because they have loving parents who give them warnings mm-hmm. because they love them. Yep. And somehow as we grow, you know, supposedly grow in maturity and wisdom, we seem to complicate these things, unlike our kids do sometimes. Maybe we do, and they don't even understand why it was dangerous. They just see the concern on our face. So last night, yeah. Ruthie comes in with Plato shoved deep in her ear, mm. and I'm like, "Come on, like this doesn't come out in one piece. Like, like don't put things in your ears." That is like a it. that is a natural occurrence. My kids just live with Plato in their ears and nose. Yeah, 
that's just, my daily we life. We just stop trying to get it out. That's what real hearing for me sounds like. But, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but like she could see that like this is dangerous, and I know you don't understand why, but she she understands how concerning it is to me. Sure. And takes that for what it is. Yeah. And yeah, I I can see that's a good point. They're in the pew and they're hearing it better than we are. Yeah, because the fact that the fact that there's a warning about something from your parent, you know, our kids come to learn that that's not because we hate them, that's because we love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they have to experience a little bit of that. You know, they have to taste a little bit of that death, maybe. And it's appropriately scary. Yeah, fear. Yeah, but it's not because mom and dad hate me. Is what they learn that it's because mom and dad loves me. And the same thing is true of these warnings in Hebrews that these these things should not uh, rattle our faith and our confidence, but instead they should sure them up. Should hold fast the confidence and boast in the hope. Hold fast the confidence and boast in the hope. Last thing I want to talk to you about is you've said often, well, this is this is also a Rusty Johnson tagline, which I think is a good <laughs> one. Uh, in the end, we get God. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the great prize in the end, right? Is the what's the story of those two theologians talking and they're arguing over where heaven is, mm-hmm. and a third one walks up and says, "It's wherever Jesus is." Mm-hmm. End of story. Yep. Right, because that's the greatest treasure. Everything else is just the perks. Yeah. And often I, you know, we we live our life though in light of we want all the perks, we want all the benefits, mm-hmm. but we really don't want God Himself. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like people who, you know, it's funny, we live in a day and age now where you know, Brin's a, a wedding photographer uh, or she second shoots for a, a photographer in town. And she always comes back with the funniest stories about weddings, which is a whole other conversation I could get into about <laughs> how little marriage is, is not held in high regard and high honor in our culture, obviously. And it's because it's not held in high regard and honor in the church. Which brand of marriage? Right, exactly. But uh, what you find often is is people who love the idea of marriage yeah. more than they actually love the person that they're marrying. Oops. Yeah, that's why you have bridezillas and you spend <laughs> far too much money on your wedding and <laughs> you cry after it's all over mm-hmm. when you've, you know, now you get to go on your honeymoon with, oh, wait, the person you loved, but I really like the idea better. Mm-hmm. And often I think we live in light of that. Yeah, or in the same social media ideas. Exactly. Yeah. And all these things play into it. My point here is saying that we can approach God in that same way, kind of in that light that I love all the things about it, but I don't love him himself. Yeah. Um, And so the idea of getting God in the end, sometimes I think seems a little foreign for people. Mm -hmm. And, and really, I think it is true. This is if you, if you get God in the end and that, that doesn't stir your heart, that doesn't, um, that doesn't cultivate such affection in your heart something's wrong that's where this you get god thing came from for me i mean you can listen to my interview with greg Mm. um but it came from as far as i recollect it came from reading uh look and live yeah like i was joyless i was doing my duty luke 17 (laughs) and do what i'm supposed to do sure um and if i get joy then awesome it's icing on the cake and Mm. that's which completely misses the point i get god yeah that's where joy comes from Mm -hmm. that's where my affections overflow from sure we don't have to wait though until we see until our faith becomes sight and we see him one day oh, we got him now. we're entering into this now mm-hmm. and it's not com- com- fully complete yet right? and so that's what helped me then with shepherding my heart and so i have people sin against me i immediately as, as much as i can i immediately am trying to process this yeah i did this same thing to god how mm. did he treat me mm. and so how can i treat this person now mm. it's that simple yeah. I'm a chill dude. That helps, but I can I can lash out too. <laughs> what yeah. happens when the giant's not so, you know, cuddly anymore? <laughs> well, what happens is is I overflow with sin and anger and rage, mm. right? But for me, it's I know I did the same thing to God, and how did how did he treat me? Mm. I betrayed God. How did he treat me? Mm. I lied. I misrepresented. I I scorned. Mm. I whatever they did to me, I've done to God, and how did he treat me? Yeah. That's good, brother. If God is not enough, then... Then you can't do that. Yeah. Because it's not worth it. Yeah. And if God is not enough, what is? Mm -hmm. And that's the sad part for me is that a lot of times as you chase these conversations out with people, 
it's them coming to terms with the fact that they didn't really want God mm. and realizing that they wanted everything else. Right. And that's otherwise it would be sufficient. Right. And that's what you've said. And we've said this on the podcast too. It, it was all available. They did not want it. They didn't want it. You know, so if, if you're struggling with these things, if you ask yourself, do you want this? Mm-hmm. That's the consider the cost thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you want this? And if you do repent and believe, mm-hmm. repent and believe. If, you know, you think about God being enough then, well, will God be enough then if he's not enough now? Absolutely. Right? Yep. So, yeah, let's walk in faith and walk in repentance. Well, we hope that uh, these have been helpful to you. I get to be on the podcast again next week, but not in the interviewee's chair. <laughs> interviewee, is that the right word? Probably not. The, the host chair. Whatever. I'll host take chair. My, my host placard back from you. Oh, you can have it back. You can have the gavel back. <laughs> Anything else you want to say, Pastor Russ? Uh, no, I love you guys. I hope that this has been helpful. Um, I know it's a, a tough part of Hebrews, but it, it sets so much freedom up yeah. for where we're heading. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, we want to thank our sponsor, Covenant Coffee. <laughs> if you don't drink Covenant Coffee, you should, because it... Uh, it's really good. Faithful on the old and the new. That's my new tagline. I just came up with it. Did you just, now you're going to put that on your bags I should. of coffee? Speaking of coffee, I don't have a bag of coffee from you. It was lacking when I went to pick it up yesterday. Yeah, I need bags. Oh. you Bro, you should have just brought you, you could have given it to me and I would have put it in my pockets because I'm running out of coffee. I need some right now. Anyway, we love you guys. We want you to uh, be encouraged by these things. Um, if you have questions, ask them. So go read the whole book of Hebrews. Go back and listen to the sermons that we've already preached in the book of Hebrews. Go back and listen to the sermons from Joshua. Read the book of Joshua. Uh, We've preached some sermons on Exodus. Listen to those. Go back and read the book of Exodus and see how this grand, beautiful story all fits together. We want to encourage you, as always, to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. And go listen to some Johnny Cash. That'd be a good thing to do as well. Man in Black. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpet.